Welcome to this week's slightly delayed episode of the So Rare Ramble. We have got a new guest on the show this week, a man that everybody loves to hate or everybody hates to love. I don't know which way around it is. And uh, Chris has joined us this week. Hey, but oh, Ryan, as we call him on the show, is unfortunately a little ill this week. Uh, he swears that he's caught COVID off the pe- person that's replaced him this week. We think it's a lie. But uh, he had an amazing time last weekend watching the uh, MLS Cup. He had a great time staying with his uh, surrogate father over there. And uh, so Chris and I are joined this week by the one and the only PSU, a.k.a. Sean Newsom. How are you, Sean? I'm good. I mean, I just wanted to, to put this on record. I get made fun of for whenever I leave the house getting COVID and... I left the house and I'm totally fine. And so I, I'm not sure uh, what other people are talking about. Because um, <laughs> I, I sure noticed them not here because they supposedly have COVID. So I don't know. It just feels like a, a karma situation here where they got uh, they got some uh, some repercussions for, for making fun of me, despite that not being true. And we were just speaking about it before we went live. Sounds like a good. I mean, I watched the game on TV and it, look, it looked like an absolutely blinding game. But uh, you all had a good time. Yeah, it was it was a great time. So basically, the uh, the, the game was two one, and it was up and down, and it was really good. The last fifteen minutes, like Columbus took off everyone with talent and put on everyone without talent, and like Julian Gressel about shit himself and almost <laughs> cost him the game a couple times. So like the last the first half, like Columbus just absolutely dominated, and then the second half. Uh, was a lot more close, but it was still really good game for the entire ninety minutes. Nice. I, I only caught the second half to be honest. I was uh, it was kind of Saturday night here, and um, I had to wait till the wife went to bed, and, uh, and I thought, okay. and David's messaging me saying this game's brilliant, this game's brilliant, get it on. So I'm like, second half was on, and um, yeah, the last 15, 20 minutes, it was great. I mean, the atmosphere was brilliant from what I could see, and. Um, you know, the last 15 minutes, they just kept giving the ball to Buanga, didn't they? Constantly on the left. And he was just driving at the fullback. And it was just, it was great to watch. I mean, it was, they were kind of clinging on towards the end, Columbus, weren't they? But, um, you know, earlier on in the game, from what I saw, they they really played some good stuff. So, yeah, but yeah first no, 45 was all Columbus. Like, Aiden yeah. Morris and Nagby really, like, dominated the middle of the field. It was pretty good. But so then the last, like, 20 minutes, Columbus withdrew Nagby. They took off Rossi. They took off Cucho for like Christian Ramirez, who looked slow as shit. Like there was one breakaway situation where he just is going down and he just like has nothing because he's so slow. Then they take off like Gress or they bring off uh, Rossi for Gressel. Then they bring on like the corpse of Kevin Molino, who hasn't played like a full game or a legit game in like two years. But it was great. We went to uh, Friday night. We went to the hockey game. Haber has never seen a hockey game in his life. Uh, and honestly, he had a great time. Like he was, he, so he's on his phone a lot, obviously, because he's a teenager, you know, that's what they do. <laughs> and he was on, he didn't, he wasn't on his phone at all. He was so locked into the hockey game. There was another hockey game on, 
on Sunday. And he really tried to angle to go to the hockey game again on Sunday. Like he's like, I'll buy tickets. Let's go to the hockey game on Sunday. But uh, we didn't end up going on Sunday, but yeah, the hockey game was great too. I, I was pretty impressed. He was really, really into the hockey game and really enjoyed it. Yeah. He posted a photo of him. I think he bought, bought the shirt, didn't he? Yeah. So he, we went to the team shop and he didn't know the price of the Jersey, which was great. And he also knows nothing. Like he has said, he's never seen a hockey game in his life. So he wanted to buy the person with the coolest name that also was like the biggest shit box on the team that he could find. So we go to the store and he buys a, a Nick Blankenberg jersey, who's like of the jerseys that were options that they had, like he's probably the most irrelevant player on the team. And it, his name was cool. So Haber goes to buy the jersey. I think he spent like $350 at the store because the jersey was like $275. And then he buys a pair of like, gloves for the game the next day i'm like you know those are girls gloves and he's like no no they're not they're definitely not girls gloves then like sunday he's like does your wife want them because they're definitely girls gloves I'm like, oh, shit, they're girls gloves. <laughs> oh poor haber oh well anyway sounds like a good, a good laugh but uh right let's move on normally we'd ask about how you did at the week weekend oh, if we start i did terrible i did terrible i had I had like nothing. the The last game week before this one, I think, was my single worst game week on the platform in in three years. Like it was so bad. I got like two, like I got like two tier four limiteds and like a tier five rare, which like that's is, pretty bad for you. Yeah, it's like ridiculously bad for me. Uh, and then this week I did really bad. So we actually were watching for Haber's Cap Two Seventy Super Rare team. Like all weekend, because I had nothing. I like had nothing going on. I did get some rewards, but nothing like to write home about. But Haber had like an elite level cap 270 super team. Like we're driving Friday and he had Actor Glue and Acardi and they both smashed. Then Saturday morning, he's watching the depression that is Man United. And he's also watching uh, Brighton. So like I was still in, in my room at the time, but he's messaging me going nuts when Gross scored. Uh, then he had... Jose Caro during the Columbus crew game was playing and he ended up keeping a clean sheet. So Haber was pumped about that. And then the last part was like Daniel Munoz, but like Haber's score was so good. that He basically just needed Munoz to do like, okay. And he did. Okay. So we were watching that most of the weekend. So that was our entertainment from a sober perspective. So let's talk about that then, because obviously, you know, we're focused on sort of cheaper cards in here, but I'm interested to take, get your take on it. You know, we were speaking to Ryan before he got the, the award, the, rewards and admittedly he was a bit grumpy because he was ill so you know he was like oh if i get shit rewards i'm leaving that's it i'm done but you know we know what he's like so a young lad is quite temperamental when it comes to stuff like that but we love you we love you ryan we love you you listen back to this so i was showing him what people had won our previous weeks and he was like well that one's good that one's shit you know that one's awful and i think we have to put in a bit of perspective like if you win rare 270 or limited 270 you get real top tier cards whereas in super rare top 70 as the first prize you get a tier two super rare i think and a tier, tier two three super, unique yeah so yeah, tier two super or tier three unique yeah so tier two super rare could be good tier three unique you know you're dicing with the devil with that one you could look at the draw really they're probably likely to be a starter somewhere but not necessarily likely to be any good so what did you think of his rewards? And for the listeners, he got um, an Ali Sal unique and a Lukeba 
the a defender for RB Leipzig, who actually played, I think, yesterday as the super rep. Yeah, I think you kind of knock it on the head, right? Like it's it's a mixed bag. You're uh, you don't really know what you're getting. Like he was looking through the pool all weekend, obviously, which I mean, I totally understand. That. I think it was his first unique he's ever won, uh, which is, is is very cool to begin with. But I basically told him, I'm like, you just want the tier two super to be as good as possible, and then you want the unique to be someone that's not ridiculously old that is serviceable. And I think so is serviceable. Um, for like for like a unique threshold team, he's a really good option. Like the guy starts most every game. Um, and he just if he gets his goal, he gets you 60. If he doesn't, he gets you 40. Um, and his L15 is like 43. So like he kind of works from that perspective, but like as a card that you'll use for him, like that's not really what he wants, obviously. And then Lukeva, like Lukeva is a pretty decent card to own, but the issue is is like you're winning cap 270 super rare. And like I told him before the, the, the rewards came out, I'm like, you're going to be lucky to get an ETH combined. He's like, no, I'm going to get way more than that. Like there's a lot of good cards. I'm like, you're probably going to get value worth of like an ETH combined. And I think he probably got less than that. I think he probably got like value of like 0.8 ETH. So it's just, I get, it, it's frustrating. Like if you win a competition like that, you just getting like worse than what someone that's winning rare gets. It's kind of unfortunate and not really what you want. But I, again, I don't think it was terrible. Like Lakeba was a lot better than a lot of the tier two super rare options. Um, and so is at least like serviceable. Like, I don't think he's, he's not like a DNP for the last, like I want a tier three unique the week before the guys played like, six minutes in the last calendar year for some reason he's in it. i think they screwed up the tiers i don't know if this has been talked about because i haven't really paid attention to content last week i think they screwed up the tiers again and screwed up the entire prize pools when they brought back in the dnp rewards i think the, the the problem with the dnp rewards is when they do rewards what happens is they have a limited amount of each card to give away and generally if you look through the pools and you see one card's got you know, 10 cards left near the top. That's the one you're likely to win just because the way the algorithm works when they put farming out rewards. So for, for people that don't know, what happened last weekend or last week is they added all of the DMP players. So a lot of those players are injured um, or just haven't played games back into the prize pool. Now, that that's a good thing in a way because there are lots of cards that you would be happy to win, you know, cards like Gavi, that's literally the only one I can think of off the top of my head, but there are low courtois. There's loads of them anyway. Cards that are injured that are still worth loads now and potentially could be worth exponentially more down the line. Um, they were all added back into the prize pool. And the trouble is that a lot of those hadn't been give, given out for a while. So there was a lot left of each of those cards. So what I think has happened is the rewards algorithm has seen, oh, this one's got loads left. We haven't given this one out yet. And so over the last weekend, it's unreasonably given out more DMP rewards rather than them for, say giving out 10% DMP rewards it's given out a lot of them all in one go and there was a lot of unhappy people I think moaning that should balance out down the line but it doesn't help people from last weekend well I think they I think they also put the valuations wrong and stuff and like you're just getting cards you just shouldn't be in so like I won last week I won a tier three unique I won Lewis Morgan unique since June he hasn't played 20, this year, is he? since the middle of June he has played one minute yeah so in the last, uh, let's say, 20-ish games, he's played one minute. Why am I getting that as a Tier 3 unique? Yeah. Like, it's just so it's just one of those things. Like, uh, like when you compare Ali So to him, right? Like, it's like, oh, man, you smashed it. You got a guy that, like, isn't out for the entire year. That just Actually, is going now. 
on a three month break too. So it's one of those things where they just like literally Lewis Morgan's rare is going for like $20. So his unique's probably worth like 0.2 ETH. There's cards below him in the prize pool and above him in the prize pool that are probably worth like three X that. So I just think that they just, it's one of those, every time, the last time they brought in DNPs, which is fine. Like I have no problem with bringing in DNPs. The last time they brought in DNPs, they completely butchered the entire prize pool. And I think that likely happened again. I just wasn't winning prizes, so I can't really confirm that. But we looked, uh, someone posted on Twitter, I forget who it was. Um, they posted like the tier zero rewards in the one category. And it was like Holland and it was like, like Kimmich. And then it was like Karnashi. Yeah, that was a mistake. Actually, we I spoke to um, we spoke to one of the guys at uh, so rare about it, and that was a mistake, and that should have been removed. Now I don't know whether it's still there or not. But uh, but but like the thing is, I think there's a lot of those that are in the rewards that they didn't fix because they just don't notice. Whereas I think like, it's because that... of valuation, isn't it? Like the, the problem right. is they go off like last auctions and last sales, and if there hasn't been any for ages, then how the hell do you price them up properly? Correct. So it's like one of those things where they just like don't. Yeah, because the last the last sale of Karnashi, which is this is this is the the great option. Like the last offer on Karnashi was like 0.98 ETH. Well, 0.98 ETH right now is Holland. Like that's where he's at. So it's one of those things where they just they completely drop the ball on stuff like that. So there's a, probably a lot of other mistakes that just weren't as glaring as that one. Yeah. Just, in, sorry, in terms of kind of you know, trying to trying to pin a value on a on a super rare as a reward, like you say, you know, the the sales of them are pretty illiquid at times and, and quite infrequent, so the valuations do get skewed. Um, do you think it'd be a much more accurate way to do it to say, okay, look, we just use a, a the rare price of a player and have a set multiplier of say five or six x or something like that, and you know that is the the accurate valuation then, or a much more accurate accurate way to value a super rare yeah i think that there needs to be using you should be using like rare and limiteds and then you have to figure out a way to properly do it because as we all know goalie multiplier is different typically than a player multiplier but there needs to be a way to use it i i've said before like I, so i think that so rares right you you have a hundred rares a season you give out like 40 so you're selling like 60 of them you should basically sell a limited a day of every card give or take like obviously like you're not if you're not like jamming cards down people's throats at the time you might do it less and you should do like a rare a week and if you do those that gives you a constant updated like valuation on what that card's value should be uh because if, if stuff's happened they're going to go up and down and, and things are going to change so they should have a limited and rare usage of the valuation then they should sell one rare a week one limited a day get you a proper valuation on a card and then find a multiplier, find something that works between goalies and players. And I'm sure that you can look at it. Like you can look at goalies and be like the goalie multiplier is typically an average of 2.7 X and a forward multiplier is typically 5.1 X. And then every time you'd be like, we're going to use a, a mesh of the limited and rare uh values and then we're going to give them that multiplier that's going to be their so or the super evaluation but yeah like you said like super rare sometimes you don't see a sale on the the primary on super rare for like eight months well shit i mean a lot change has changed in the last eight months on pricing yeah no it draws me around the bend right um 
I didn't get any rewards particularly worth speaking about. Chris, did you get anything? I think you got tier three, didn't you? Which actually was not bad. Yeah. Three. No, I just got I just got uh, a little tier three limited and threshold um, in All Star Limited. Uh, I missed out on the tier two by less than a point because I chose a stupid captain and I wasted nice scores from Pepe and Pascal Gross um, with my Wesley Hoot captain pick. So that was annoying. Um, and other than that, it was a bit of a damp squib outside of that. So uh, yeah, that was that was how I did last week. Right, shall we move on then? So uh, we'll speak briefly about the EPL, although I don't imagine sure you watched too much if you were uh, busy all last weekend. Um, anything that sort of leaked out to you, Chris? Or any games that you particularly watched? Man, Man United. I mean, should we start with Man United? Because they, I mean, every week I keep saying to, to Ryan, Ten Hag, like, what is going on? Is he going to keep his job? They kind of just look lost. Bournemouth played very well. The goals were good. They did, I mean, it was a great performance on their part. But equally, you know, what the hell is going on? Man United losing 3-0 at home to Bournemouth was, you know, clearly the big shock of the weekend. And now they're out of the Champions League, fourth place in their group, with a group with Copenhagen and Galatasaray. I mean, it wasn't a particularly tough group on paper. Um, and they're just in a mess, aren't they? Yeah. So, I mean, I spoke to a couple of Man United fans, not Ryan, um, and they all, like I said, you know, surely Ten Hag's going. You know, surely you've reached a point now where you have to get rid of him. And they, they all said, no, no, you know, we want yeah. to keep him, which I was actually shocked about. I thought they'd be fucking baying for blood. But, yeah. I think there's a, a lot of blame, you know. They've kind of gone past the point of blaming the manager. They've gone through so many managers in the last five years that they seem to not be attributing a lot of, of blame of the recent performances on him. And it's kind of the club, the board, the players, you know, and, and there has to be a point where surely they look at him and go, look, actually, you've been here a few years now. We have kind of no real style of football. We've, we've gone backwards in the last 12 months. You've wasted loads of money on really quite average players like Anthony and whatnot who've come in and, and just done nothing. And you're not getting the best out of the players that were here already. And, and actually, they're kind of regressing, you know, the likes of Rashford and, and Fernandez and things. And yeah, I, I, think, I think he's struggling. I think he's really struggling. And I don't see how they're going to turn... Um, turn things around in the in, in the near future. So yeah, no, I agree. It does seem that they're very loyal to him. A lot of the Man United fans at the moment, which I I think is a bit odd as well. I think with with Anthony, I've got a friend who says about players like that. He says all fur coat, no knickers, and basically it's like you know they look good on the outside, but you look beneath that, and they've literally got you know nothing going on. And he is like that. He like he, you know he tries to do all the tricks and stuff like that. But if there's no end product, who gives a shit? You know, he does loads of tricks. He just starts spinning around on the ball and doing all these kind of crazy tricks. And there's no one anywhere near him. Yeah, there's no there's no end product to it. It's just skill for the sake of being able to say, "Look, I can do this clever trick." You yeah. know, but if there's no, you're not getting anywhere with it, and there's no purpose to it. Who gives a shit? What's the point? You got any <laughs> yeah. United cards, Sean? I have a Bruno Super Rare, uh, which is I have a Delot Super Rare, Ericsson Super Rare, but I don't like you don't really play those tons. But Bruno Super Rare was supposed to be the card that like was able to like send me to the promised land this year in uh in a lot of a lot of situations, and it just has not. Uh, I think it's a, very similar to what you guys are talking about. Like they're just 
they just look very mediocre. I do think a lot of it is still like Ten Hog just doesn't have the guys he needs, especially on the backside and in like the rest of the midfield. He just he, he's playing with that Casemiro, which I think is very detrimental to him. His the center backs are just like not oh, it. Like with Lissandro out, like he just doesn't really have what he he wants at center back and he just wasn't really given the ability to go get the guys that he wants and like the the guys that he had like let's just be honest not the best and not a great fit for what he wants to do which makes things a little bit more tricky so I mean I'm a big believer in like you know if if you should basically move on from a manager a lot of the time like you know when they're like like Tuchel like Tuchel should be gone I'm very very adamant that like he should just well he should never have been hired to begin with yeah, Ten Hog, I think, is a bit better of a manager, but it's it's gonna take some time. So I'm usually one of those things. It's like, here's my general thoughts on like if you're with managers in general, and this goes for like all sports. If you're gonna actually spend the time to research and decide what guy you should hire, you should be given that guy probably like three or four years. Because if you're giving him like one year and then you're basically like, yeah, go go pound salt why did you hire that guy in the first place? Cause you clearly did a mistake in hiring that person to begin with uh, a lot of the time. So I'm typically pretty reserved and typically like, okay, let's give a bit of time for a manager. Unless like you can just tell like this manager just is not it, uh, which I, I, he's seen some stuff. And as much as we make fun of man, you like they've been, I would say horrendous this year. They're still like six, like Chelsea's 12th. Like they're like, eight points above man you but no one's even talking about Chelsea because Chelsea was so bad last year that it's just like all right whatever um yeah I was I, I watched the Champs League game and they just I know Bayern's obviously a much better team than them but they just looked useless There just nothing happened in that game like man you <coughs> never looked a threat at any point in that game yeah no I agree yeah they didn't yeah I mean in theory they played better because you know but by that it's just that Bayern didn't score six goals so when it comes down to that it's pretty tough there were some weird matches all through the weekend, actually. For the for the listeners, I was very lucky enough. I've, uh, as you know, not been particularly great in health wise, so it's been tough getting to games. And uh, so rare actually came through and managed to get me a couple of tickets to the Liverpool game at Crystal Palace. I took Feder along from the Value of Talent podcast. Really lovely guy. Came around to my flat. We had a bit of a chat. Then went went and got some food, which turned out to be loading Chinese food that we ate in the street. So not exactly what I was planning for breakfast, but, you know, it worked. And went to the game. It was Liverpool were absolutely awful for pretty much the whole game. Crystal Palace should have won. They really got some awful decisions. Um, players shouldn't have been sent off. And then, obviously, we came, came around and uh, won the game. I took some photos at the end of the game. And I had my Liverpool shirt on, which I wasn't going to wear. But Feder said, nah, wear it. Just cover it up. And at the, at the end, my top had pulled down a bit. And then I pulled it down to show some Liverpool fans. No Palace fans saw. People were already leaving the stadium. And the photos we took at the end were quite obvious. If you support Palace and go to the game, you'll know it was in, you know, in the home end. And it was, but it was really close to the away supporters. And there were still seats around me. And I got someone fired it into uh, the Palace like uh, supporters and stuff like that. So I've been getting pelters on Twitter for the last few days about, you know, one, supporting Liverpool living in London, like, you know, people, if they live in London, suddenly have to support a London club, which is ridiculous. And then um, about being in the the away end, uh, sorry, the home end. But uh, yeah, that was quite funny. Have you had any things like that in the past where you've had to sit in the wrong end? 
doesn't really happen, happen over here. Like we, doesn't happen. you don't get away fans much in the states, though, do you? They don't. You don't get a big, big following. No. Well, we talked about that too. Haber and I talked about it. So, like, for example, the LA game or the the, the game for Columbus. We had there was actually a big contingent of LA fans, but like. For you to go from that game from LA, you pretty much would be like you guys going to like China, right? So like there's just not that many people that come to to the games because the distance, like not to mention there's not even great flights into Columbus. Like it's kind of difficult to to fly into Columbus from a lot of places. So you're talking like you have a five or six hour flight from uh LA to Columbus. And and a lot of other areas might be longer and it might be even more efficient because some of the uh places where the teams are might not be the biggest city so like getting to games in the uk is a lot easier than getting to games in the states yeah yeah definitely so yeah so it's a bit, bit of a weird weekend but obviously uh sheffield beat brentford which uh was quite an exciting one any thoughts on that chris sorry sheffield united yeah i mean they've, they've got a new manager back in or their old manager from a few years ago chris wilder um who had a lot of success with them actually. So when they when they were promoted to the Premier League a few years ago, I think they finished about sixth, didn't they? And he did a great job. So um, I think it's you know it's that situation where you get one win and it's something to build on. Um, you know Burnley as well have have kind of had a couple of good results the last few weeks. Luton have you know all right they've they've lost a few games, but you know they've played Arsenal and City and. And Liverpool they've, recently they've, as well, and they've pushed yeah, the end as well. Yeah, and every get each one of those games has been by the by the odd goal that they've lost by. So, I think you know they're actually all giving it a bit of a go now. Um, Everton have uh, you know this ten point deduction they've had just seems to have kind of given them a real kick, and they're playing well as well at the minute. So, you know, and, and perhaps Fulham, the kind of Fulham is the form team, aren't they? Fulham, yeah. I mean, perhaps you know, a few weeks ago we were just going look, the the bottom two or three are quite obvious, and now there's been a few changes of uh, you know manager and circumstance, and you know they're starting to get some good results, and um, you know going into the Christmas run of games where it's going to be really hectic, it might be quite interesting, um, and it, it might you know we might start seeing a few uh, teams get one or two wins together and and kind of you know, move up the table a little bit. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's around this time, isn't it, where if a team can string a few results together over Christmas, carry it into the new year, suddenly they can be like, you know, from the bottom, they can be mid-table quite quickly because yeah, you know, the gaps aren't that big. So And Villa are doing well. I mean, Villa, again, had a great result. I think they were quite lucky. Um, Arsenal had a hell of a lot of chances, um, you know, a couple of disallowed goals. Um, you know, the keeper had a flap at one that could have easily gone in. Um, but you know, they, they're going well, they're playing some good football. And, and you know, again, the last two weeks they've beaten um Arsenal and City, and then they've got, I think, um, Burnley and Luton, I think, coming yeah, up. They've got an easier run coming up now. Weirdly, I yeah. thought they, they played better against City than they did against Arsenal, but uh, maybe that was just game yeah. flow. But either way, beating both teams is. Immense, isn't it, really? But um, anyway, anyway hey, let's move on. So was it a couple of days ago? I literally lose track of time. Was it end of last week? When, when were the reward boxes announced? Losing track of time. I think beginning of this week, like Monday. This week? I think Monday. So red time and my time literally just blends into one. The only way I can tell when things happen is around game locks. Literally, like Tuesday and Friday, they're my benchmarks for the whole week. Uh, yep. Sure, and I guess like it's a bit of a... 
nothing sort of uh, product review for a product update for you because there was nothing really to sort of focus on the higher regions was there but do you, oh. have, do you have any thoughts on the sort of the loot boxes or the reward boxes whatever they're calling them i mean i assume i, I was talking to someone they're going to be pissed when you finish like 190th and the person that finishes the 191st gets like a sick card and you got like a level booster like that's going to be fun when well, uh, you could finish 7000th and yep. win a Harry Kane or yep. the person that finishes top 100 could in theory get like an XP boost. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, there wasn't uh it's interesting. Like here's the thing, it's one of those things where I guess I just don't know what you you have to see it implemented, right? Like I think you have to see how it works before you can really comment on it. Um and then the other updates, yeah, like there really wasn't anything toward. I will say, I feel like they're communicating well the last few months. I feel like they've been talking a lot more frequently on things. Even if nothing's really happening, they're like, nothing's really happening. We'll talk again soon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of been... life updates as well, like little things yeah. in the UI that don't necessarily need to be announced, but are useful. And, and to be honest, like, I think people like that. People like to just see like, this is something's happening, right? They want to see something. You could be like, we changed the color from this blue to this blue. And people are like, all right, at least you're doing something. <laughs> Whereas obviously like sometimes if you, if you do that every week, people are going to be like, all right, guys, you changed the color like 10 times in a row. Like let's get something impactful. But if you don't have anything impactful and then you, you, you might have something impactful in like two weeks, then cool that people will enjoy just knowing that, Hey, they are working on something. They're getting something done. But um, I like cap Two Twenty returning. It yeah, I like that like as well. A lot of people have complained yeah. about it, though, said it was like, you know, a nothing tournament. But I, I've actually quite liked playing it. That's, because you're, it. that's because you're sixth in uh, rare and limited, though, David, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing well. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, I, they're, I like they're anyway. fun. It's kind of a different strategical plan that is interesting yeah. to me. Like, it brings up, like, ah, oh, man, I wasn't really going to focus on this, but I guess I had a couple good scores. Should I or should I not? Uh, and Cap 220 before was just a steaming pile of shit. Whereas, yeah. like, now it's like, if you win at the end of the month, you will get something good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I completely agree. It actually uh, reminds me a little bit more of playing, like, DFS soccer. Because in DFS soccer, you, you have a budget, and there's no way you can fit in all the stars. You know, you, generally, you have to make tough calls through. And whether that's playing NFL, whether that's playing, like, baseball or NBA, you have to make tough calls. And often value opens up at the last minute. And I feel like this is a lot like that. And you'll see people that are good at DFS probably do quite well at it. Yeah, it's it's definitely an impactful thing. Like I this is I got burned by it in the midweek, but Hobie Verholst looked like he'd probably start once uh, Matt Ryan got injured or like it was at least possible like Oduro could have started to begin with. But so I was like, all right, great. I have had two good scores in this competition and I have Hobie Verholst, who's a zero. I'm going to put together a pretty good team here to see if I can get to my third really good score um, and then go from there. Cause I think last time I finished fourth in the, in the I, I, 270, I didn't care about it, but I, but I finished. Okay. Like I did. Okay. But the, the month long all-star rare pro, I think I finished fourth, but that was when you double dipped, obviously now you're not double dipping. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely opens up some, some ideas where it's like, so Verholz, do I run him in like all-star rare pro or all-star uh, sorry. Do I run him in cap 240? and try to like walk up my threshold or do I run him in cap 220 super rare where it's like all right I could win a tier zero super rare which I don't really have a chance to win at all yeah 
And we don't know whether he's, I mean, it sounds like the other guy's going to play because that's what it's announced, but you never know for certain until the team you come down. Yeah, I, I think I think he'll likely play at the weekend, though, uh, Verhelst now. Oh, I, I honestly don't know. I So at the uh, like at the weekend, last weekend, I thought the Verhelst would probably just start because I just figured they're going to run the guy that's experienced in this game because this game's like a win-or-go-home game. Um, so I thought they would play Verhulst here, and then I figured maybe they would transition to the other guy at some point. But I also knew there was risk, and I was like, whatever. If it fails, it fails. It's not a big yeah, deal. Exactly, yeah. What about you, Chris? What's your thoughts on this update in general and 220 and stuff like that? So, <clears throat> I mean, for someone who's been playing limited a lot at the moment, the 270 um, loot box idea, it, it's something I've spoken about a few times. And, you know, in terms of winning tier fours and tier fives, uh, I just call them trading collateral, really. You know, you, you win them, you piece them together, and then you try and, you know, offload them to a bot or a trader that for, for stuff that you do want. So I don't think they have a lot of value for when people win them. And I think actually having the ability to win XP and boost cards that are valuable and are usable in your gallery is, is something that a lot of users will prefer to win. Um, so I think it's quite a nice experiment to, to try out. I don't know about the whole, you know, percentage of winning tier ones and stars kind of, you know, randomly further down how that's going to play out that's a you know a bit of a um interesting conundrum that that has cropped up with it i um, like it i think in... that i think that if like like if you finish six thousand, for instance and you're opening your reward generally you would expect it to be a shite reward and you'd be like man, man click 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 blah 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 stick it on the market now if they're not giving out the the rubbish cards one, that potentially long term could increase their price and give them more value. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get a tier five and that tier five becomes a star. I mean, it doesn't happen yeah. overnight, but it can happen. And now you're either getting XP boost, most likely if you finish low down, but there's always that chance. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite fun. It's exciting, isn't it? I think it's more exciting for users, like you're saying, you know, you play that every week. And I know statistically the percentages of hitting a bigger reward are quite low, but you do that once a year and, and you know, it's great. It's great for smaller users probably to have that that chance. It's like a lottery, isn't it, basically, that the, you kind of are entering it with a small chance of a, of a jackpot win there for you. So, um, yeah, it's fun from that point of view. Um, I agree with you guys about the 220. I think the rewards were pretty bad um, in the normal weekly 220s. So it seems the best spot to have a monthly comp. Um, it's... I like, and I always say this, I like that it's within a cap mode, so it encourages skill. Yes, you you know, if you've got a deep gallery like you, David, you're smashing the 220s at the moment because you've got a lot of options to, to pick each week already in the gallery. Um, but it's quite good for the market as well, I think, because it's, you know, you get these cheat code players that crop up and it kind of gives the market a bit of stimulus when, you know, you have to go out and pick somebody else up to, to fit a spot that week to, to fill the cap or you have to pick up a, you know, an, an L15-0 guy that's th that week's cheat code. So I think that's quite good for the the market. And I think it's, it, you know, it keeps you rather than rolling out the same best players every week. You have to think about it a bit more and, stra and strategize, which I like. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting we haven't touched on is the, the 240 threshold. Um so they've said now that they're removing the card rewards from the 240 Limited and it's just Threshold in there. So I think that that's kind of going to be interesting as well to see how strong now 
people field um, lineups in that comp because there's been a lot of talk previously of saying, look, all you need to do, some users have said, all you need to do is hit the 280. That's the whole target. Whereas actually, it was probably better to, to think, well, actually, I want to put quite a strong team in there, you know, get a 350, 360 plus and aim for that kind of range. If it goes off, great. I get a, a tier two, tier one or something, as well as the ETH. Whereas now, literally the target is hit that 280. So I think two things are going to happen there. I think, you know, weaker teams are going to be entered into that tournament because there isn't the carrot of cards. So I think the amount of users hitting that 280 each week will drop because the the quality of those lineups will be less each week. So it's kind of in in so rare's you know, favour, I think, to do that. And I think it's quite clever from their point of view. But, you know, it's fine. Um, it just may, maybe makes, you know, people playing at that level kind of realign their uh, priorities. And, and maybe now the 240 actually isn't as important as it has been uh, for, for kind of limited users. So I don't know what you guys think about that. What is the what is the $5 worth? Like what type of limited is that worth? Is that like... A tier three. It's about a tier three typically. Okay, so basically what you're Even you're tier basically two, maybe sometimes, but yeah. All right, so you're you're playing for like a low end tier two, high end tier three type of reward. So there's still value in it because that's still reasonable value. The issue is is like you talked about, you're removing the upside. Like in previous, you would win that five dollars, which is worth that, or you're getting like, and then you're getting a, a tier. Uh, if you do well, you're getting another tier three, tier two type super rare or tier two, tier three uh, limited. So you just sort of remove the upside. So yeah, now I think the the goal is like, you want to hit 280 or whatever the, the number threshold is that they have it at now. It's going to be so confusing because now you have different thresholds on every scarcity, which is like going to be a interesting thing to remember because well, it's I'm going to struggle to remember. 280, isn't it, on rare and limited? Rare and limited is 280. Yep. Super rare is three thirty and unique is three seventy five. Yeah, and that's a bit weird, but so it's just it's yeah, it's a bit confusing, bit weird, and it really it just doesn't like I don't know, it's just weird. Like I don't understand why rare is getting the scarcity bonus. Like it just I, it's weird to me, all around weird. But yeah, we'll the super super rare um, we were talking about in our chat weren't we the other day, and I think the super rare. It doesn't change things anyway, does it? It is exactly 20%. So Correct. It wasn't yeah. when they originally released it, was it? They boosted it up and put the wrong number and start with. But yeah. yeah. Oh, did they? Yeah. I didn't even see that. Yeah, super rare, there's no change at all. Unique, there is a little bit of a change. But so basically what it's what it's accounting for is if you use five uniques, it's slightly easier. If you use four uniques, it's slightly harder than what it was, which is fine. I think that's fine. Um, but yeah, pretty much both of them are are either the same or close to the same. But there is a little added benefit now if you use five uniques in in the competition. And I guess the yeah, the way the reason they've done it is because they want to have sort of uniformity across all of the the um, competitions. So they all use scarcity bonus. But yeah, it does make it a bit weird that you know two eighty used to be the number. Now it's well. 280 is still the number for rare limited, but now it's 330 for this and 275 for that. But, you know, people people will get used to it. So whatever, I guess. And as you said, there is a small bon a small added bonus now for, you know, playing five uniques. And that's sort of the, you know, which is good, for, I guess, for sort of bigger accounts. But, right, I thought we'd have a quick look as we've got a, 
a guy from America on the show and a guy that watches the tape, as opposed to our last American guest who admits that he doesn't watch any football. But and uh, we'll have a chat through a few players for next season. So for UK listeners, I know just about half of our user base or listeners every week come from the UK. A lot of you may play America, but if not, I think now is a good time to look at it. I mean, ideally, you would have looked at it probably a month ago. But if you haven't looked at it, now is an excellent time. You know, we've got uh, the Mexican League, which still actually hasn't even finished the the final. I think they play the next match tonight and then the, the final final game on Sunday. That kicks off first on January the 14th, I believe. 13th, 14th, around there anyway. Um, after that, you've got Argentina, you've got Peru, you've got uh, Colombia, I think also kicks off in January. Then going into February, obviously you have the Asian leagues kicking off, but the MLS now all, looks like it's going to be always kicking off late Feb. So all of these leagues now come back within sort of the next eight weeks or so. So, you know, if you're buying cards now, especially for Mexico and stuff like that, then, you know, you're not going to have long to wait before you get in there. And obviously, then you'll have them throughout the whole of the next season when the European leagues go down. And if you're trying to offset your gallery going down in value, buying America cards now probably isn't the worst decision because in theory, depending on what happens, they should continue to go up now until the start of the start of the new tournament. Uh, the MLS historically is a bit of a weird league. Um, teams that finish last can suddenly finish top and various and vice versa. What's your take on next season, Sean? Sorry, you just put yourself on mute. <laughs> no, yeah, it's uh, it's a it, so the reason MLS is typically very um, very sporadic like that is because of the way that the salary cap works, and it's just awful. The way the cap works and the way that the roster constructions work, it just makes it so that your top end players are quite good and the bottom end players are absolutely horrendous. Um, which is typically why you, you see a lot more offense going on because. You have like Lionel Messi running against a guy that like wouldn't even be playing in the fifth tier in England. So if you have that situation, it's going to lead to quite a bit of offense. And most teams obviously put their major assets towards the offensive players and not really defenders. So defenders are usually a lot weaker. So um, a lot of the time, the the best way with America to look at things is to look at the roster situation. If you see guys that are coming off of a season and they are not under contract very possible they leave very possible they can go anywhere which can be very detrimental i would say in the past there was a lot of concern about like america players going to like saudi or going to places where they wouldn't be covered now you just have that worry with anyone like literally any player you could lose to to somewhere that isn't covered so i think the risk of america players is a bit less the issue is is that like you have a lot of America players that like will go to these mid tier, bottom tier clubs that are much different than what they were doing in the state. So it becomes guys that were smash plays in the MLS are just not that once they go overseas. But um, if you look at the DPs, the designated players in MLS, those are typically going to be your studs. They're going to be your better players. You can look and try to find uh, the mids, the attacking mids that are going to be really good. Um, obviously you go after Carlos Gill because that's just what anyone should do. Uh, but you can look, and I know Fripp, uh, so are USA. He creates a lot of depth charts on stuff. So he has a lot of depth charts within the teams. So you can see sort of like who is going to be there, who's going to remain there. And a lot of these guys will be on like a contract that then has a team option. And if they're good, the team always picks up the option, um, at the back end of things. So 
you can look through teams and find guys. A lot of times there's very stable goalies in the MLS because the backups are typically very, very poor. Um, so like you look at Philly Union and you see Andre Blake, like there's absolutely no shot Andre Blake loses his job. He's going to be more stable than like anyone out there. There's going to be a few other guys that are like that. If the goalie is going to be a higher paid goalie, they're going to be very difficult for the backup to sort of replace them because the backups are typically uh, quite a bit lower in terms of skill level. Um, but yeah, typically you want to look through the teams and you want to make sure the guys are stable, sort of see like what teams are going to be stable. If teams are going to lose a lot of players, it might be a situation where that team's going to be quite a bit worse. Or you look at things and you've, can see like, oh, this team maybe isn't as good as what their record indicated this past season. Like, I'll give the example from this season. Austin FC, the year before, they weren't great. They were pretty mediocre at best, but Dereci had like a massive horseshoe up his ass, and every game he would get decisive in like the 90th minute. Well, getting like 15 90th minute decisives probably is not going to happen every single season, right? So you can look at it and be like, well, they don't look like they're really bringing anyone in. They already weren't that good. They're probably not going to finish as high as they did. He's probably not going to be as as good as he was. Uh, sure enough, he went down and was much worse than he was the previous year. And then you can look at guys like Carlos Gill, Reynoso. You see a lot of stability in them. You see their teams maintain most of the pieces that they have. You know that they're under contract. They're the main, main guy that, like, nobody's really going to usurp them. They're going to take sets. They're going to be the alpha and you can sort of feel a bit better with it. So from that perspective, like you do get guys that are a lot more stable. And, and honestly, like if you look at some of the high end DPs in the MLS, they stay on their teams for quite a while. Whereas like a lot of the concern is like, if you buy any like challenger Europe guys, like their goal is to go to like the next level up and, and you get like one year out of them. Some of these MLS DPs, like you get five, six years on the players. Like even Zayla, who left this year for Saudi, played for quite a while for the, the crew. Gill's been with the Revolution for a while. Reynoso's been there for a bit now. Uh, and you have a lot of guys that just sort of stick around the team they're on uh, because they're the main guy and they are com comfortable with like what they're getting paid and where they're at within the MLS. A lot of the DPs that, that do come in, Sean, you know, they come from the major European leagues and they haven't always been the best players in those teams. You know, I mean, you look at like um, Leuven, who went to St. Louis last year and, and players like that, you know, average players in Europe, they come to MLS and they're the main man on the team. You know, and they're like I said, they're on a good salary, they're a DP and they tend to do very, very well, those kind of players. And it's, you know, like you were saying about Challenger Europe, um, you know, there's always that threat there of, You've got a smasher and challenger, but if you're a smasher and challenger and you're kind of, you know, early to mid 20s, there's a big threat that you can move to a, a top five champion at league and you're not going to get those scores again. Whereas, you know, America region and MLS particularly, a lot of the European guys go there and it's an opportunity that actually they're going to do very well and, and be a big scorer in, in SO5 terms. Yeah. I mean, we can look down the list of DPs and we'll look at this. So, like, Atlanta DPs were Almada. They're, I'm not going to name the, the bad ones because like each team, some teams have bad ones too, but Atlanta's DPs are Almada and Giacomacus. Uh, Giacomacus was pretty useless at Celtic, came in and I think he was close to league leading goals. Uh, Grant, he's a, he's a decisive dependent forward, so like you might not get as much from him. Drissi at Austin's been very good. Uh, Swiderski for Charlotte's been relatively solid. Um, moving on, like Shakiri has been relatively solid for Chicago. 
Uh, FC Cincinnati, Lucho Acostas, absolutely smashing it out there. Um, Columbus Crew, Cucho, smashing it. Diego Rossi came back. He was really good. FC Dallas, Jesus Ferrer, and Velasco, both very solid. Um, and then you just keep moving down the list, and you keep finding guys like that that are just really solid players. Hector Herrera, Lionel Messi, um, R- Ricky Puj, Vela, Buwanga, it, Reynoso. It's just like the list. But, like, so even, like, look at it. Like, Reynoso's been here since 2020, and I think he's still going to stay. So you've gotten, like, four years out of Reynoso already, and you, you're probably going to get more out of him. Hani Mukhtar, he's been here since 2020. Uh, you, you've gotten four years out of him. He's still here. Carlos Gilt has been here since 2019. So you're getting, you're at like five years with Carlos Gill. Uh, keep moving. Let's see. You've had some good, reasonable players elsewhere as well. Like Savarino's been, he was in Salt Lake and then he went back to Salt Lake. Like you've gotten five years out of him. Uh, Loven, he's been good. Like you said, I mean, he wasn't anything yeah. in Europe now, pretty solid. S Kristen Espinoza, he's been here. So like, you get these guys and honestly, they don't really leave as frequently yeah. as other situations. Raul Ruiz Diaz has been there since 2018. He's been solid. So there's just like a lot of guys that are, are really solid plays that they, they stay for a bit. So like, if you get that DP, that's like that Carlos Gill, Loven, like if Loven stays for three or four years, he'll probably be really good right now. If you get those type of guys that just constantly just stick around the MLS, because honestly, the DPs in the MLS, a lot of them, like Carlos Gill, Ryan Gold, they're not going to get paid more realistically going to a lot of the Europeans, if, a lot of European teams. If they are a DP in the MLS, they're probably paid about as much as they can make elsewhere, except for they are the alpha, alpha yeah. on their team with absolutely no shot of getting usurped from that role. Yeah, it's like it's like big fish in a small pond kind of situation, yeah. and that, and that's what you want, really. I mean, another guy I've written down here who again fits the mold, and I think is just way under the radar is Klitsch at DC. Yeah, I mean his scores are good, you know, really good for his price and his value. He's he's a good player, and he can really hit big peaks, you know. And again, sort of guy that you know played for Leeds, um, just an average player in Europe, and he's gone there and he's doing well, you know. I mean, I mean it's, it's it's one of those things too. Like you look like he's played 90 minutes in all but like one game. And just they don't they the DPs do not come off the field a lot of the time. They are stable. You have no worry that they're gonna get replaced in lineups at all. Cause like, there's just no one that can come in. Like the alternatives in Europe, like if you are a player on on leads, like the next player up is like a similar quality player to you. If you are Carlos Gill and you're on the New England Revolution, the guy that is like the next guy up is like a fourth tier player in England type of player. Like the level of difference is massive. So there's just really no risk into getting replaced. What's what's your expectation for next year? I mean, I guess that the, you know, most people are expecting Miami to go from what third worst team to one of the best teams. Um, I think Messi will be, will play a lot of games. I don't think he'll play every game. I can't see him rolling out on some turf games. What's your thoughts on like how that how they would? I'm not like, sure why he's never going to happen, is it for Messi? Yeah, the exactly. thing is, is like if you watch him, especially in MLS, like he does not have to do much. Like he walks like ninety five percent of the game, and then when he does stuff, he just obliterates everyone because everyone's so bad. I mean, to be fair, um, he did that in Europe as well, but yeah, yeah, but like it's even more pronounced in MLS because you don't have to do anything really defensively from his perspective, and then like. When he does turn it on, 
the level of defender against him is so much worse than what it was in Europe. Um, it, yeah, really, realistically for Miami, right, they're going to be the betting favorites probably, I imagine, to, like, win the league. It all depends what Messi does. It all depends, like, how many games he plays, how many games. Like we said, if he's going to sit on turf and they're not going to play him on turf sometimes, and let's just say he sort of mails it in a little bit before the Copa America in the summer, like, you do have some worries. But I don't know. A lot of it just depends on sort of, like, what teams are going to maintain what. Or free, also, like, a agency. lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it's free agency. A lot of it's like what DPs come in to certain teams. Because like some teams are going to be losing their DPs and they're going to replace them. So like Red Bulls, we'll we'll use Red Bulls as an example. Emil Forsberg is is a pretty big upgrade to what they've previously had. So all of a sudden you're bringing in Emil Forsberg. What kind of difference does that make on the team? And then also like you have these teams that just have like some putting it bluntly shit bags as they're DPs that like these guys like don't even play like they're just incredibly useless guys. And then all of a sudden, like, let's say they remove them and bring in someone that is like legit a player. It's a massive upgrade. Cause like some of these teams you have like the only DP on LA galaxy right now is Ricky Pooge. They're going to bring in two other DPs onto that team. And depending on who they are, could make a massive, massive adjustment to that team. Similarly, like for Inter Miami, like Leo Campana was one of their DPs. Like he wasn't even playing at the end of the year. So are they going to like send Campana out and bring in someone that's actually going to fit into their 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 roster, or are they going to sit there and run him? Like you look at all these teams and they just there's a lot of question marks about um, what the DPs are going to be. Like Colorado Rapids, Kevin Cabral's a DP. He's been pretty useless in the MLS thus far. Jairo Torres is a DP for Chicago. Maybe they replace him with someone that's a lot higher of a level than him, and, and you get things. Similar like Atlanta. Atlanta's probably going to lose Almada. It's going to be really difficult for them to replace Almada with someone of Almada's skill set. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Is there any teams that you think that, aside from Miami, that did poorly last year that potentially could do better? Or literally, is it a wait and see at the moment, like a holding pattern until we see what the DP situation is? Yeah, I think it's a holding pattern. I mean, I would expect LA Galaxy to be better. They actually put in quite a bit of resources to things. So, like, typically you'd expect them to to improve. But, like, I mean, they had, like, a, a big thing is, like, if you get an injury to a designated player, like, Chicharito was a designated player for LA Galaxy. Well, if you're sitting at home on Twitch because you tore your ACL, but you're the DP, that's not a good thing. Whereas all of a sudden, like, let's say they bring in a Chicharito-level replacement – who doesn't have a torn ACL, it's a big difference on that team. Um, so, yeah, it really depends, I think, at this point, um, who these teams bring in and, like, sort of what their replacements are. Like, Nashville brought in Sam Surge, but they brought him in late. And if they – like, maybe Sam Surge need a little bit of time to to sort of uh, come up to, to being used to being there, maybe they become better because he's coming in and getting a little bit more experience being there. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Let's talk about – David, have you got any players that you've got kind of in mind for next season that are a bit under the radar that you've jotted down or anything? Not really under the radar. I had a quick look through and the, the problem at the moment is that the situation isn't clear. Like it is for yeah. certain clubs like Seattle. They actually finished reasonably high at the division, but they never particularly looked great last last year, apart from a few games sort of earlier on in the season. Now, Ladero's gone. Um, it looks like Raul Ruiz Diaz is going to stay, even though weirdly he said goodbye to fans like 
you know, before they'd even got knocked out of the, the playoffs, which I thought was a bit bizarre. But um, so now Albert Rusnak is going to be sitting in that uh, number 10 role in behind the forward, pulling the strings. And I think he could be a good player. I already own him, uh, but I'm potentially looking for his super rare. But I think that, you know, there's lots of situations like that around the league. But, you know, I think that free agency opened, I think, a few days ago. Um, DP situation is not clear on a lot of teams. Like even with Inter Miami, there's talk about Luis, uh, Luis Suarez going there. If he goes, I mean, I'm not keen on that move for them. I just think having it, they need younger guys that can run off the ball for Messi. And Suarez is not that person. I don't think he was ever that person. But anyway, I don't think he's that person. So I think that the situation is that you can buy certain players where their situation is clear, but you just got to keep your eye on it. But what about you, Chris? Anyone that you particularly looked at outside of like... Um, so, yeah, I mean, Klitsch was what I mentioned. Yeah. I just think, look, very good value at the minute. Um, another guy, kind of similar situation to Rusnak that I think might get a lot more responsibility next season is Diego Luna from Salt Lake. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, So, I think if Savarino moves on, which there's a chance he will, um, Luna may end up, you know, taking a few sets and, and kind of filling that that role as that main creative um, outlet for Salt Lake. Um, and then another guy who's a bit under the radar who I just think I've seen a little bit of him and he's a young guy, a little bit of a cheat code in a way, is, is a guy called Ali Ahmed from Vancouver. He's box-to-box midfielder, but he has a defender card and it's, it helps his scores immensely. But just as an all-round player, his stats are just kind of everything you want from a, a kind of box-to-box midfielder. And he, he's he has some nice scores in his history as well. And I think he could um, he could kick on and... If he keeps fit, he'll do, he'll do well, I think, next season. And I think very briefly before we move on, because I've got to get out of here and I know you've got a meeting as well, you've got to get to uh, Chris. Um, in terms of like construction, if you're building a team, SO5 team for America, I think pretty much we all favour having forwards from MLS and maybe mids from MLS and maybe defenders and keepers from South America. Obviously, you won't be able to do that necessarily to start the season, but... You know, generally there's less goals in Argentina and Brazil, but you're going to be waiting for a lifetime for Brazil to come back right now. But, um, you know, that that's probably the OP sort of roster construction. Would you agree, Sean, or do you not necessarily, you don't mind? Yeah, I think I think typically the forwards, maybe you can go elsewhere because like there aren't tons of great forwards. Well, I guess you have Messi now, which is, is fine. But like other than that, like forwards not great. But like I think what you typically want is you want like two of these stud MLS uh, midfielders if you can. Whether that be like Lucho, Carlos Gill, um, I, I'm at Almada's leaving likely, um, but you have Loven. Loven showed that he could be really good. Uh, Hani Mukhtar shows has shown that he can be really good. Um, so I think you want a lot of those those MLS mids. I think those MLS mids could be. I, I think the Rusnak shout was actually a pretty good one. Like Rusnak, if he continues to absorb more and more of a role, like. He's still of a good age as well. Plus, you get the international use out of him. I don't know if he's still getting called up all the time internationally, but um, international usage is always something. Actually, actually, never mind. I take that back. That's actually probably a bad thing in MLS because they don't shut down for this. The uh, the international windows a lot of time, uh, so you just lose games from Rusnak. Uh, looks like he hasn't got called up recently. Yeah, uh, he hasn't got called up recently, so I guess it's not a big, not a worry for Rusnak. But yeah, I think Rusnak's a great shout. I think Rusnak has a chance to be pretty good, especially if he can sort of like improve his offensive role a bit more. Because he crushed before. I can't remember, for the life of me, I can't remember. Was it 
Real, uh, Real Salt Lake he was up for or San Jose? One of the two. Yeah, he was at Real Salt Lake. He, um, and he's been good. It's just like, so here's the, the situation. A lot of it comes down to like set pieces. And Joao Paulo took a lot of set pieces. If he can sort of absorb those and like if he can take all the penalties, that's sort of a, a huge upgrade to him. And he was starting back end of the season to get a bit more, you know, sharing sets with uh, Joao Paulo and stuff like that. So, you know, th- there is potential for it going forward. But. Right, let's move on. We'll move on to the picks game. I'm pretty glad that Ryan's actually ill for this one. He obviously, the week before last, is Christopher Olsen came in, which put him at 5 3 3. Last weekend, I thought we all had good picks, but mine, Rocco Reitz, shut the bed and pumped out at 24. Um, so then Koneko, I think, played after that, and he put up an okay score, 62. Um, and then we got plenty of DMs from Ryan over the weekend about his player getting a. Uh, what turned out to be a 69. So Ryan now leads the show 6-3-3. So, yeah, glad he's not on here because we definitely would have got a lot of uh, lot of boasting, wouldn't we, Chris? So have you, we this week, have you guys got anything nailed? Have you got I anything? have a guy. I, go I have a... You go, Sean. You go first. So you're I picking have... on behalf of Ryan. So I have a center back from Celta Vigo. Seems to be locked into his role right now. Relatively cheap. Also, you get some international utility, which is nice. Carl Starfelt for Celta Vigo uh, has had three really strong scores, averaged 76 his last three games. Um, they have a pretty favorable matchup. They've kept uh, two clean sheets in the last three games, so I would assume that they continue running the same defensive unit that they've been running, so I will go with Starfelt. Yeah, he's a de- decent. Obviously, he came from Celtic where he was a stud, but he's actually doing pretty well at Celta Vigo. Um, and the manager there is the old Liverpool manager, Rafa Benitez. And any Liverpool fan will know that he loves playing defensive football. So, you know, defenders potentially could always do well under him. Um, I'll go next. Guy I've picked plays for Heron Veen. Um, he's been scoring goals recently, so maybe a little bit decisive dependent. But, you know, I need to take a shot here. I've got to get back on the winning track. And that is Luke Browers. And you can pick him up for about... Rare for about 50 quid, maybe under 50 quid, and limited 0.05. Um, obviously, Starfelt as well is really cheap, cheaper than that. Um, Chris, what you got? So I'm sticking to my same strategy as last week, and I'm just going to target um, Rudez, or however we pronounce them in the Croatian League. As are you they sticking are, with that, are you? They are, the worst, they are the worst team in Europe, I think, so I'm going to stick with that. So... Rijeka are playing him this week, um, who are third top in the Croatian League. And I'm going to go with uh, Marian Cabrera, the left back. Um, you have to spell it. C-A-B-R-A-J-A. So he didn't do great last week, but Rijeka weren't good. He only got 39 last week, but three previous scores were 83, 72 and 64. Um, attacking left back, and I think that Rijeka will destroy Rudez this weekend. I'm hoping for a, a nice two or three nil uh, victory. Yeah, I mean they, they were shit again last weekend. They actually didn't lose by too much eventually, but uh, but yeah. Rijeka were pretty shit as well, weren't they last weekend? Yeah, they were terrible. I, I mean, I've got a few Rijeka players, and uh, the keeper got a nice big fat zero last week, which was uh, lovely. So nice. hopefully this week I don't actually have Cabrera but um, yeah he, he looks a good option uh, price wise he is um, £16 for the rare and £2 for the limited so he's lovely 
budget option there. Cheap as chips, although he is about to go on a break, isn't he? Is this their last game yeah. or last but one? Yeah, last game for about six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, the break's not too big, is it, for the Croatian uh, players? Right. It is half past two UK time, which means that me and Chris have both got to get out of here. So uh, before we go, I will announce the, the prizes for the league. Um, been at it several times recently, and not, to be honest, with you, I completely forgot. So blame me. Um, and I will get those out today um, once I've run it past my co-hosts, once uh, Ryan has come out of his tomb. Uh, but before we go, I just want to say thank you to Sean for joining us. Been delightful to have it on now. I think I got the Carlos Gill count at maybe two or three, but that's pretty pretty good. So we didn't this get time of the year. Yeah, this time of the year you can't expect like twenty, right? That's yeah, that's more of a like when we hit February, then it's coming out. Okay, yeah, we'll get it on. I was hoping to get the good luck playing MLS, good but sorry, good luck playing America without Carlos Gill. But we'll save that line for uh, February. But yeah, no, great to have you on board. Great to have you um, on the show. And uh, let's get out of here. So bye from me, bye from Chris, bye from Sean. See you next week. Bye.